What's going on, man? How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm fine. So uh, we're in for another recap of week week. 12 heading into week 13 for another episode of the NFL Talk Podcast. Jamie and I will talk about what's hap- what happened in week 12, and then week 13, we will preview that. So let's start off with the week 12 game with the Patriots and Jets, followed by we'll talk about the Monday night game that we saw last night. It could have been a, a close contest, but it ended up going to Texans way. So let's start with. So did you think that the Patriots, after a sluggish first half, they picked it up in the second half? Absolutely. You definitely saw a change in pace in the second half, and offensively they seemed to be able to to get whatever they wanted once they came out of the locker room in that second half. But the big thing for me wasn't just that they were racking up offensive yards, but who was getting them. I know we talked a little bit about previewing the game Two guys I were looking at were Rob Gronkowski and Sonny Michelle, how they were going to get involved, both coming back from injuries. And Gronk obviously had the touchdown in the first half. Great catch in traffic, holding onto the ball, taking a hit. And Sonny Michelle was phenomenal at running back. I don't have his exact totals, but I believe he had to be over 100 yards. He was finding holes and a lot of yards after contact, which was, which was big for Sonny Michelle and able to bounce back after taking after leaving the game for a few minutes with a uh, – a little bit of a back injury, but both those guys played well. So, like I said, it it's more just who they're giving the ball to that, that made me encouraged because I feel like you knew they were going to get touches to Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman, but getting these guys back and involved in the offense is a huge step forward for this team. Oh, of course. I think um, now getting Rex Burkhead back before the Vikings game is going to be huge for this Patriots offense because when healthy, like I talked about on my Facebook group on the New England Patriots, I said mm-hmm. that he is a uh, game-changing back. Yeah, absolutely. He certainly fits, I want to say, kind of into the James White mold where he can do both. He can catch passes out of the backfield and be a true running back. But having that trio of James White, Rex Burkhead, and Sonny Michelle really makes this New England running core a threat. Not that they have one standout star, but they can can beat you from all areas with the running back game, whether it's blocking or passing or straight running. Because as we talked about, Rex Burkhead was supposed to be the, the number one back on this team coming into the season. And James White's obviously consistently continued to put up numbers. And Sonny Michelle, even though he was a first-round pick, I know people were concerned with the injuries coming out of college, but he's put together a really exceptional first season with the Patriots. Oh, yeah, of course. I was excited about Sonny Michelle before the season began. And another Georgia product that I was excited about before the season began was Sonny Michelle's best friend and roommate, Isaiah Wood, who I expected to be the Patriots' starting right tackle over Marcus Cannon, which I think that would be the case for next season because I don't see Marcus Cannon being a starter for the Patriots next year. I think, I think, uh, I think Isaiah Wynn will be the starting right tackle for the Patriots. Because for me, I think Isaiah Wynn is just a guy that can block. He can open up holes, especially for Sonny Michelle. But losing Isaiah Wynn to begin the year, like we talked about earlier, was a kind of a big blow to the Patriots. Definitely. And it's kind of indicative of how the beginning of this season went for them. They lost a lot of guys to injury, I believe. What is it? Of their nine draft picks, seven of them have already been on IR. And you've had Sonny Michelle dinged up a little bit. So now, not win in a sense because he's out for the season, but the other guys and the rest of this team are starting to come back healthy. Aside from losing the rookies, they also lost Burkhead and a few other guys that 
lost um, the other running back they got from Cincinnati the first game of the season, too. So just – Jeremy Hill you're talking about. Jeremy Hill could have, yeah. been, could have been a threat. But I think next year he'll stay at Patriot on a one-year proven deal. I think so, too. And, yeah, some of those guys – I know Torn ACL is out for the season, but others of those guys – that the Patriots have had who are banged up are finally starting to get healthy. You saw that coming back from the bye week, especially with Sonny Michelle and Rob Gronkowski. And now you're going to see it even more so with Duke Dawson and Rex Burkhead both being activated. Yeah, I think uh, before this season, I predicted my defensive rookie of the year was Juwan Bentley because I saw what a great preseason he had. In my eyes, he was going to be a steal of this Patriots draft class because of the way he could get to the quarterback, rush the passer, stop the run put pressure off of Dante Hightower. But now since he's hurt, I kind of see Keon Croson and uh, J.C. Jackson as my defensive rookie of the years because they have been, they've done a good job in taking advantage of the opportunities that they have been given to them. I think Sony Michelle is easily my offensive rookie of the year for the Patriots. Absolutely. has to be Sony Michelle on offense. And I agree with you on defense. I, I would lean more toward J.C. Jackson just because I feel like You've seen his name mentioned more, and he's done a good job holding down coverage and had a few nice interceptions so far. And I think Sunday's game for the Patriots, I thought in the fourth quarter they really put that game to bed. But I would have liked to see Sam Darnold play against Tom Brady because I was really excited to see Darnold come back from that bye week with a foot injury. But like we talked about last week, the Jets did a good job of being very cautious with their young quarterback that they think they're going to have a very bright future with. Sam Donald has that potential. He's going to be the Jets quarterback in the long run, but they just wanted to be careful with him. Yeah, definitely. And Josh McCown did, did hold his own. He hung in the pocket, took some big hits, and he made some plays both uh, with his feet and with his arms. So he certainly gave the, the Jets a chance to hang around in this game. He sure did. I credit Josh McCown for doing that because – Josh McCown hasn't been that type of quarterback that is like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers. Josh McCown's a guy that's a great backup, not even a long-term starter. When he gets an opportunity to start, he really takes advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. You've seen it all throughout his career. He's done pretty much whatever's asked of him, been with at least seven or eight teams in his career, and bounced around and really filled in when needed and, and done well enough to give his teams chances to win games when he's in. And also, um, talking about the Monday night game, I thought that this was going to be a close matchup. I was predicting the Texans win by three points, but the Texans ended up pulling away because they were thinking about their owner, Bob McNair, who passed away last Friday. So that was just an emotional win for the Texans yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't end up getting to see much of it. BC had a basketball game last night, so we were there, but I was keeping tabs on it. And one thing that, that stands out to me here is – Marcus Mariota, it, the stats I have here, 22 of 23 for 303 yards, even in a loss, that's got to be encouraging for Tennessee. That's got to be encouraging because, th- like I talked about, this is the Marcus Mariota I want to see. I've always been a fan of Marcus Mariota because he has great abilities to get out of the pocket and makes great plays with his legs. He's a great passer, but I think he could be more accurate and throw more accurate throw the ball a little bit more efficiently, which I kind of think he needs to work on that. But all in all, I'm a huge believer in Mariota. Yeah, definitely. He's had a few, um, I want to call it rare performances this season, whether it for, be for a positive or a negative. Obviously, you look last night on the positive vein, 22 of 23, only one incompletion on 23 passes. And then he has other games where he sets the record for most times getting sacked. And I know that's more a product of the offensive line. And 
even last night was sacked six times. You'd hope, even though he needs to develop into more of a, a pocket presence as a thrower, that he still has the legs to avoid these sacks. But all around, a good game from him last night. Same with Deshaun Watson. And Lamar Miller just had a big game with his 97-yard touchdown. And Tennessee, it doesn't look like they got much going on the ground, at least. Deion Lewis who was expected after a few good weeks to be their top running back only had seven carries for eight yards. I think Deion Lewis is the top running back for the Titans. I think Deion Lewis is great for that offense, but I think Derrick Henry's a guy that I really like a lot because he's that big back that can bulldozer de- defenders. And uh, I think when I looked, when I watched part of that game last night, I was really like, man, Deshaun Watson's going to be a better quarterback in the AFC South because I think it looks like the Houston Texans are going to be a team that dominates the South for many years to come because I think he, the AFC South now runs through Houston and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think these are the two top teams right now. And you have to think Indianapolis has an outside shot where Andrew Luck's come back and proved to be healthy and maybe worthy of that um, number one overall status that he had beforehand. But they just don't have the talent around him. And that's where these two teams differ in that they have a quality quarterback more so in the Texans scenario with Deshaun Watson, who's already developed into a quality NFL starting quarterback. And they have the supporting cast around them, both on offense and defense to be legitimate contenders. A surprising thing that happened. What surprised me was that Blake Bortles got benched. I'm a huge believer in Blake Bortles to be a great quarterback for the Jaguars, but a lot of people are thinking, the Jaguars were stupid in keeping Blake Bortles. I didn't think it was stupid. I think Blake Bortles is is going to be great. I think benching him would kind of motivate him to be a lot better, but I think Blake Bortles is the is the guy for the Jaguars going forward in their franchise quarterback because I've always been a huge believer in Blake Bortles, but I think his weaknesses is the accuracy. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. You saw that in the game against – Buffalo throwing two interceptions. Obviously, some of them weren't his fault. I know one went off like the said, hands like, of his receiver. What I was here is that he should have had a good game against Buffalo. Jaguars yes. should have won that game. Definitely, definitely. And, I mean, some different breaks go their way. Maybe they come out on top. And I think, to your point, I, I thought they should have, like they did, kept Blake Bortles to start this season because he did lead you to within a few minutes of going to the Super Bowl last season. So you have to – give him another shot. But at this point at three and eight where the Jaguars sit, I feel like they have to start thinking about potentially drafting a quarterback in the draft, just because this team with Leonard Fournette and the strong defense that they have, it seems like they are just a quarterback away from being a really solid contender for a long time. And I have, been a believer in Blake Bortles for a long time, but I think he's he's running out of opportunities. I don't think he is, in my opinion. I think Blake Bortles can show the Jaguars that he can be their franchise guy. I am still a huge believer in Blake Bortles because although you, you think his time is running out in Jacksonville, I don't think it is because Blake Bortles can still get the job done. He has what it takes to be a great quarterback, but he just he's just got to Show it. Yeah, no, absolutely. He certainly has has the talent, and maybe maybe he does need this benching t- as a wake up call because it seems like he's just been going through the season and just keeps making those unforced errors in a sense. And 
it's been letting his team down. Obviously, his team hasn't been helping him out much. Um, being the yeah, three, three and eight, they don't have Marquise Lee, which is I think that's Blake Bortles' top target. I think the Jaguars, if they want to make Blake Bortles a, a great quarterback, make him elite, then they got to find some targets for him in the offseason. Absolutely, and I think they are set at running back with with Leonard Fournette. But I would say that wide receiver, if they decide to stick with Blake Bortles, is their biggest area of need in the offseason. I think the Jaguars will stick with Blake Bortles. There's no need to go out there and draft a quarterback because I think the Jaguars are going to give Bortles another chance because it's not fair that they're going to bench – they benched him for this game coming up and starting Cody Kessler. Cody Kessler is okay, but Cody Kessler, this is an opportunity for him to show if he could steal this job. But another con- quarterback controversy that I think is already in the bag is that Lamar Jackson should start for the Ravens going forward. Absolutely. Lamar Jackson has been – Phenomenal for the Ravens thus far. The first game with his feet and then doing pretty well as a passer. I know one touchdown, two interceptions last game, but still 11 rushes for 71 yards. And he just seems to, yeah, he can be a little careless with the ball at sometimes, but he, he just seems, it comes natural to him back there. Just watching him throw some passes, they just seem effortless and he places it right in the guy's hands. So certainly good games for Lamar Jackson, albeit against Oakland and against Cincinnati, who probably aren't going anywhere this year, but still. Yeah, you're right, because of Andy Dalton being out for the end. The Bengals are nowhere without Andy Dalton. No, no, and even even though he got hurt at the end of the game, it didn't look like they were trending in a good direction even before he got injured, giving up the 51. The like a team that everybody looks forward to seeing. They're a fun football team. They got all the talent they have, but I think – Losing Andy Dalton is just a big blow to that offense, other than A.J. Green. Absolutely. They have certainly been dinged up a lot this year. Um, And, I mean, Andy Dalton went down in the Cleveland game. Maybe there's a slightly different scenario. Um, And the Bengals end up 6-5 and if Andy Dalton plays that whole game. But the Bengals, their their defense has been letting them down a lot, giving up 51 points to the Saints and 45 to Kansas City. Letting them down, like I said. I mean, the Bengals are a very talented defensive team. They're a top-five defensive team when they're right. Yes, absolutely. And, I mean, I know you saw when they had that that stout defense of a few years ago when they were making playoff pushes. It seemed like the talent was there. The discipline wasn't with all the, the dirty hits and undisciplined plays. But now it just doesn't seem like they have the talent out there to, to stop these teams. And in a division where – the Steelers, despite losing this past week, seem to be pulling away with the top spot in that division. And now the Ravens, I think, finding the right mix with Lamar Jackson coming in versus the Bengals going in the opposite direction and losing Andy Dalton, I think, puts the Bengals down to third. And you'll see if the Cleveland's able to jump them even without Andy Dalton now. I think Cleveland's going to be a great team next year. I feel it because... Baker Mayfield is the right quarterback to lead the Browns because I think he's he's really developed into a good passer. I think in the offseason, I think Cleveland's going to get an offensive-minded head coach. I don't think they're going to have a defensive-minded coach. I think they're going to go offensive-minded for their next head coach, somebody that's going to know Blake Bortles, no Baker Mayfield's uh, skill set. Definitely, and not just saying this in hindsight, um, just the way all the rookie quarterbacks have played, but Blake Bortles was definitely the right fit for Cleveland at number one. He, he seems... No, I meant Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah, I was not saying. Not Blake Bortles. Oh, sorry. 
I misspoke. I meant Blake Bort, Blake Baker Mayfield. Too many Bs. Baker Mayfield was the right selection for Cleveland at number one this past offseason. He seems to be – he has that personality that, like, I know he's in a situation that isn't necessarily conducive to winning and hasn't been for a long time, but he seems to be embracing the challenge of a former walk-on at Oklahoma and Texas Tech. He had to work his way onto the team and eventually win a Heisman. So he, he's certainly – ready for another challenge and this is just another step for him and he, he's proved up to the task i just don't think cleveland should, shouldn't have had that tie if they weren't if it weren't for that tie with uh, the steelers i think cleveland will have a better record next year yes i think so they're they're absolutely trending in the right direction nick chubb has been a good addition at running back as well and david njoku has developed into probably one of the top-tier young tight ends in the game, and one of the more consistent ones, especially in a league nowadays where outside of Gronkowski and Arts and Kelsey, you see tight ends have a game where they get eight receptions, and then the next two games they don't get any. So Njoku's been a target of Mayfield who likes to target tight ends anyways, and it's developed a nice little chemistry, and their defense, they certainly have the young name-brand talent on it to be uh, pretty good team in the future. Yeah, um, my favorite player on the Cleveland Browns defense, I'm going with two. Um, I like Jamie Collins, a formerly former New England Patriot, who I think's done a great job there. I wish we kept him, but I also like Miles Garrett, too. Yeah, definitely. I, I love both of them, and even the rookies, too, and Jabril Peppers and Denzel Ward. Um, good job for them drafting those guys in recent years. And I know some people – thought maybe you don't go with Denzel Ward, you go with um, who was it, Bradley Chubb with the fourth overall pick. Uh, but Denzel Ward has done good enough. And I mean, if you have a fourth overall pick and you're adding that kind of talent to your defense, you can't really go wrong. Jarvis Landry is not bad at all for the Dolphins, for the uh, Browns. No, he's done a good job. He's He's been, I I would say, probably their their most consistent receiver um if you count Njoku as a tight end obviously Njoku's been Mayfield's favorite target but Landry's been consistently good he gets catches he gets touchdowns and and it opens up their run game for guys like Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson oh yeah for sure and uh also uh talk about week 13 I think what I saw the Sunday night game with the Vikings and the Packers I think the Vikings are going to put up somewhat of a challenge against the Patriots but I don't see the Vikings winning that game. Their defense is good, but I think their defense is going to have a long day defending that high-obtained Patriots offense. Absolutely, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how these secondaries hold up. If you're Minnesota, you have Xavier Rhodes, who should be playing, but is a little banged up. And Minnesota's defense, while they've been good, hasn't quite lived up to the expectations of like a top one or two defense that everyone kind of thought coming into the season. And now with the Patriots, with all the weapons they have, it'll be interesting to see how Minnesota stacks up against that. But the matchups I'm looking forward to, I know we've talked about this in past weeks, but this is one of the first teams the Patriots have faced with really a multitude of offensive weapons where you have you can safely put Stephon Gilmore on a team's number one receiver, but what are you going to do when a team has a number two receiver who could legitimately be an, a number one receiver as well, a 1A and a 1B, if you will? And the Vikings have that with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, and even Dalvin Cook, who primarily catches passes out of the backfield. So 
I'm interested to see what type of schemes the Patriots draw up. Uh, I would expect Jason McCourty to still be the number two cornerback and J.C. Jackson to get some time. I'd like to see what Duke Dawson's able to do potentially um, in some minutes too. Yeah, I, I could agree with that, but I think I would expect Stephon Gilmore to be on uh, Stephon Diggs because I want to see Stephon Diggs get doubled up in a coverage while he doesn't get away to get an opportunity to open himself up for a catch. I also think the matchup I'm looking forward to seeing is how Kirk Cousins is going to play in that game and also if other guys such as Derek Rivers is going to get some time in there because I really think he, it's his time to break out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Kirk Cousins. I think you saw on Sunday Night Football, it was the first primetime game for Cousins that he's really gone out and performed well in. And obviously the numbers speak for themselves. 342 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He was spot on in that game. And at one point, I don't know how the final few minutes shook out, but at one point he was perfect against the Blitz for QBR. So It'll be interesting to see the Patriots aren't a team that necessarily blitz a lot, but if they are able to blitz and force pressure, the game is going to be in Cousins' hands because I think the Patriots will be able to score. Kirk Cousins certainly has the talented weapons around him that I think you'll see the Vikings be able to have the ability to put up a lot of yards. It just depends if the Patriots can keep him out of the end zone because guys like Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are both very quality wide receivers who can each go for over 100 yards in a game. Another game I'm looking forward to this Sunday is seeing my second favorite team in the Rams match up with the Detroit Lions. I have the Rams winning that game easily over the Detroit Lions. I I like Matt Patricia, but I also like Coach McVay. Matt Patricia, I'm looking forward to seeing Matt Patricia face against my one of my other favorite teams in the league in the Rams because I knew he beat our Patriots on Sunday Night Football. But I think the Rams are going to come in Motivated, getting a keep to lead back. I think he, the Rams are going to blow out the Lions easily. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think the Rams will handily win that game. But it would be interesting to see if Matt Patricia can go two and zero against your two favorite teams. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it but again, interesting to see that. But I say Matt Patricia ends up going one and one at least. It it could have been zero and two. Yeah, it could have been. Teams. Like for example, the Chiefs are 0-2 against my favorite teams this year. That's an, another example of that. Yeah, definitely. So definitely some common opponents for your two teams. But a game I'm looking forward to kind of not off the map a little. I mean, I was considering choosing uh, Steelers-Chargers, but we all know the, the implications of that game. So a little under-the-radar matchup would be Cleveland traveling to Houston to face the Texans. Houston, as we've talked about earlier, on an eight-game winning streak, the longest in franchise history, don't show any signs of slowing down. And Cleveland coming off Baker Mayfield's best game of his career and two young, upcoming, dynamic offenses and two stout defenses. So it'll definitely be strength against strength. And I would predict Houston to come away with the win just because Cleveland did benefit a lot from – Cincinnati turnovers in the last game and I think Houston will take care of the ball a little better and Cleveland and Baker Mayfield will be facing a much tougher defensive challenge than Cincinnati presented with the line of Houston potentially pressuring Mayfield into making some mistakes so I would take Houston in that game as an under the radar game to watch but I think certainly um, the NFL hit the nail on the head putting uh, 
Chargers and Steelers in the Sunday night slot. I'm actually going with the Chargers. Oh, a, a Chargers upset win over the Steelers on Sunday night football because I think it's going to really help our Patriots out because I kind of think Pittsburgh will go will drop down to the fourth seed at season ends because right now in the AFC I have my projected conference standings for the playoff picture: Patriots one, Houston three, and then I say I see the Steelers facing the Chargers in the wild card game, and I think LA will LA Chargers will play the Patriots in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Chargers are a team that has really I don't want to say flown under the radar a lot this year, but they've been in the division with the chiefs. So they haven't had a lot of room to show off as potentially a top team in the NFL, but they've done great on both sides of the ball. And now getting Bosa back on defense has really helped them. You were a little concerned coming into the game against the Cardinals for the chargers. They just lost to the Broncos uh, at home. And then they go down 10, nothing to the Cardinals. One of the first times all season, they've been punched in the mouth and then they come back out score 45 unanswered so no cause for concern there for the chargers they they're i would say they're the team in the afc that's flown the most under the radar this season when you have obviously the patriots and kansas city pittsburgh getting headlines and houston being hot with their eight game winning streak la has been quietly good they're not going to win the division obviously so they'll have to play in a wild card game but i would be excited for them being the five seed, it's going to be a tough matchup for whoever they'd face as the four seed. I think the five seed will be the Chargers, and then I think the six seed will be a coin flip between Baltimore and Indy. Yeah, Baltimore and Indy were probably the two teams I was going to go with, too. Denver, I feel like, has an outside shot. They've done a lot to save their playoff hopes the past few weeks, but I like the dynamic that Lamar Jackson brings to Baltimore. And Indianapolis, it's it's a nice story with Andrew Luck coming back. So I think in both divisions, you really see kind of a, a solid five, maybe differing order among the top five, and then the six seeds just a toss-up in both. I think the six seed in the AFC is a toss-up, but my projection, my projections for the AFC playoff picture is Patriots one, Chiefs two, Texans three, and then the Steelers four, and then the Chargers five. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got... Uh, just looking at it here, I'll just for difference, I'll flip flop. I'll say Kansas City takes the one, Patriots take the two, Texans at three, Steelers at four, Chargers at five, and six. Like you said, I agree, it's going to be a coin flip between the Colts and the Ravens. Right now, we give it to the Ravens just because they have the the tiebreaker advantage. I think I would. I want to play the Ravens again in the playoffs. That's why I kind of kind of think that. That I kind of think we would, I would want to play the Ravens in the playoffs, but I think if the Ravens play in Houston, I think Houston wins that game easily. Yes, absolutely. And I think looking at if the Patriots were to get a bye, the four teams in there right now, the Texans, the Chargers, the Steelers, and the Ravens, all teams that could potentially give the Patriots trouble. I look to the Texans and Ravens matchup. The Patriots have had a lot of trouble containing running quarterbacks and we know that both of those teams certainly do with Deshaun Watson and then to an even greater, greater degree, Lamar Jackson. But the other games are just quality opponents in the Chargers and the Steelers. We'll see how the Patriots stack up against the Steelers in a few weeks. But a lot of quality teams in the AFC for there, there being some confusion near the bottom. The, the top teams have really started to separate themselves and presented a tougher challenge in the AFC than I think the Patriots have seen in the past few years. 
That's why uh, I think, like you said, you wanted Patriots too, but I don't think Patriots will get to. I think they're going to be number one and get that home field advantage because I want to host the AFC Championship game. But my Super Bowl prediction, it was Patriots-Rams heading into this season, battle of my favorite teams, but I changed my mind. I want to say Brady versus Breeze, Super Bowl 53. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that. That's a dream matchup, obviously. Yeah, you don't have to that. Yeah, obviously love Tom Brady, and Drew Brees has been a favorite of mine uh, for a long time now. I've loved him since the Saints won that first Super Bowl all a decade ago, pretty much. And both teams have been looking great. Both can put up offense in different ways. I feel like the Saints are more going along with the current trend of being flashy and putting up a ton of points, whereas the Patriots, they're a type of team that their definition of scoring a lot of points isn't necessarily 50 or 55, but they can consistently give you 38, 39 points and maybe have a little bit stronger of a defense than the Saints. And it seems like if the Patriots are to get to the Super Bowl and to win the Super Bowl, they're going to have to win games kind of like the Super Bowl they played in last year because they're going to face a lot of teams who, regardless of how good the Patriots play on defense, are going to put up a lot of points on them and the Patriots are just going to need to put up more. And I, I think that'll be an interesting test to see where this team's at. I would agree with that. But like I told you, I said coming in would be the Patriots and Rams battle of my favorite teams, but I changed my mind. I want to see Tom Brady against Drew Brees. Yeah, I'd love to see that matchup too. And I think that would be my favorite for a prediction right now. I think I agree with you. That's mine too. Yeah, I think looking in the NFC, you have the Saints, Rams, and then out of the teams playing on wild card weekend, we'll see how the Patriots stack up against them this week. But I've been high on the Vikings all season, so just as an outside number three, they would probably be my third team if there was a little bit of chaos in the NFC. But well, I do Bears, think I kind of like how the Bears are playing. Yeah, you have to love the way they're playing. Good job on Thanksgiving holding it down without Mitchell Trubisky. That defense has just been phenomenal, phenomenal, and really kind of developed into speaking of the Vikings the defense that the Vikings never did when coming into the season, everybody thought, oh, the Vikings are going to have that type of defense that the Bears have. Now, it'll be interesting to see how this Bears team stacks up in I think the, Bears, the playoffs. I think the Bears easily run away with the NFC North. I think Green Bay still has a shot to be in the playoffs, but I kind of doubt it. I kind of think Seattle should be the sixth seed, and then the five seed, I'm not sure, in the NFC. Yeah, Seattle after last week is definitely my my pick for the sixth seed. I'll take the Vikings at the five seed. I think I think the Vikings are certainly one of the six most talented teams in the NFC. The only thing that concerns me is that they have a tough end of the season schedule, whether that be having to face Green Bay last week, which was a big game for both of those teams, and then they have the Patriots, and I believe just looking here, they have the Bears again as well, and they face Seattle in Seattle on a Monday night. So I kind of picked Carolina in there too. After that loss that they had to Seattle, I think Carolina's motivated to win more football games. Yeah, definitely. I think you see right now Washington, just by the playoff pictures, holding down the sixth seed. I think that's bound to change with the injury to Alex Smith a couple weeks ago, and I think Dallas started to surpass them as the top team in the NFC. So I think Dallas will comfortably win that division now. Yeah, I think so. I think Dallas will be the four seed, and the number three seed will be the Bears, the Rams at number two, and then the 
Saints are number one, and I think followed followed by the Patriots being the number one team in the AFC. And also talking about the number one pick in the 2019 NFL draft. Who do you pick as the number one? Who do you think will get the number one pick in the 2019 NFL draft? I mean, right now. You have to look. I was going to say Buffalo at the beginning of the year, but right now you got Oakland, San Francisco, and Arizona finishing it out. Right now, I'd have to go with Oakland just because I feel like that's the most volatile situation. San Francisco can still put up a fight. They're only there because of the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. And Arizona's just just going through young team growing pains. But Oakland is in a... In an odd situation, we'll put it. They have a $150 million quarterback who they don't seem too keen on now. Or I would say John Gruden doesn't. And speaking of Well, now the Raiders, John Gruden is now a big believer in Derek Carr. Derek Carr, I heard, is having a fantastic season still. Yeah. Oh, I I totally agree. I think Derek Carr is having a very good season. Uh, The Raiders just don't have enough talent around him. And I I personally think John Gruden may just be saying some of those things because – they almost got in a fight on the sideline a few weeks ago, so you have to save face. But I, I can't imagine it two and nine things are too great in their locker room right now, especially with the expectations coming into the season. And looking at, we just talked about the NFC playoff picture. Chicago and Dallas are probably going to win their divisions, and they may only win those divisions because of players they got from Oakland, whether that be Khalil Mack tearing it up for the Bears or Amari Cooper proving to be a phenomenal addition for the Cowboys. So it... It's just, I know Oakland got first-round picks for both of them, but it's got to be frustrating for a guy like Derek Carr to see what guys who could have and should have been on his team are doing to help other teams make the playoffs. Oh, I I would agree with that, but I still think, I still expect Derek Carr to be the franchise quarterback of the Raiders. But I think if the Raiders were to get the number one pick in the draft, I say they're going to use it on a wide receiver. Yeah, I I'd have to say, I think if the Raiders get the first pick in the draft, I'd go with probably a defensive end um, just to either replace Khalil Mack or just because it seems like the top four or five guys in this draft are going to be defensive linemen and maybe they can go early in the second round and pick up a wide receiver. But I think right now, obviously it depends on situation who ends up with the number one pick. But I think Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa's brother, is probably the consensus number one pick at the moment. I think so. I think Nick Bosa could really help the Raiders out. I think I think he could be the new Khalil Mack. I think I think Nick Bosa could it should likely be the number one pick in the draft. I I kind of think right now it's tough to say who I think will be the number one pick in the draft. I'd go to with Oakland, but Oakland will not get a quarterback at number one. I think the 2019 NFL draft, when it starts, the number one pick will be a defensive end. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think you've seen with just some of the top prospects, whether it be some of Clemson's defensive linemen or you have one from Alabama, you got Bosa, who we talked about, and Rashawn Gary and Ed Oliver from Minnesota and Houston and Michigan and Houston, excuse me. There is a plethora of top end talent on the defensive line this draft. And I think you'll see teams maybe being able to afford waiting on a quarterback because there has been no one quarterback, maybe Justin Herbert from Oregon, who separated themselves from the pack. This class doesn't have the top-end talent at quarterback that last year's did with Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and Rosen and Allen. 
but it does have a lot of depth. So I think you'll see teams in need of a quarterback wait until the second or third round this year. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Oakland will, will get a defensive end, but I think they're going to get a wide receiver too in the draft as well. Because I think I want to see the Raiders add some talent around Derek Carr. I know Jordy Nelson's a good veteran target for him, but it's not enough. No, absolutely not. And Jared Cook's been good at the tight end position, but really all around. I mean, if you're Oakland, you're going to have three first-round picks in this draft thanks to the trade. And I know we don't think they trade Derek Carr, but obviously if you trade Derek Carr, you get a fourth one, but that's all hypothetical. But yeah, if you're Oakland, maybe with your first one, you go for a defensive lineman. And then your second pick, which is in, probably going to be in the teens, if you're able to get a receiver there like A.J. Brown out of Old Miss or someone like that, that certainly has to help your team. I just don't not, right now I don't see Oakland being the number one getting the number one pick in the draft because I think the Chiefs are on upset alert against the Raiders. And I think the Raiders are gonna win that game to give the Patriots some help. Yeah, I mean I, I certainly hope they do. I'm just not sure how Oakland is gonna end up faring in those I would love to see it, but I guess as of right now I'd have to say Oakland maybe won't be able to pull those ones out. I guess you'd have to hope at uh, a win. I'm just trying to look at the rest of their season schedule. They got the Steelers. They have Kansas City twice. They have Denver's turned around. So maybe you look to the game against Cincinnati, which even is on the road. But Oakland has the potential to, to win another game. And I would say I don't know how the rest of the season schedule shakes out, but I believe San Francisco and Arizona would have to play each other again so one of them certainly gonna get another win that's why I think, that's why i predict the raiders getting an upset win over the chiefs in oakland mm-hmm. so yeah the patriots could get that tiebreaker that's why i see the chiefs getting upset i see the steelers losing again to the chargers and then i i see uh indy over jacksonville yeah, I, I certainly would take Indy over Jacksonville. I think and Andrew Luck, with what he's done so far this season, has been really, I, I don't want to call it a big surprise because he was a former number one overall pick, but with all the injury concerns to come back and play this well on a team with arguably being the quarterback of the Colts who've never had a ton of talent around him while he's been there, is really he's really done an exceptional job with this team, and I think they – they will be able to beat Jacksonville this week. I think so too, but also other games I'm kind of looking forward to is like, I think the Eagles will get their season back on track against Washington, even though Philly was off to a Super Bowl hangover start. I think the Eagles are still in the mix to win the NFC, NFC East. I, but I, I, but I still think it's going to be the Cowboys. The Eagles will put up a big fight. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm excited to see, speaking of the Cowboys, their game this Thursday night against the Saints. First true test for the Cowboys since getting Amari Cooper and really developing into this the team in its current form, which has been a winning team so far. They're finally giving the ball to Ezekiel Elliott more and developing a good offense against the Saints defense, which more so just relies on their offense to outscore the opponent. And this Cowboys defense is quietly pretty good it's quietly like a top five defense so I'm excited to see how they hold up against what has been an unstoppable offense for the Saints I think the Saints win that game on Thursday night against the Cowboys yeah I think the Saints do win the game too uh but I I hope 
to see the Cowboys give them a little more of a fight than teams have recently. I think it's going to, I think, I think the Saints win this game, but it's going to be awfully close. Yes, it's certainly going to be closer than many of the games that the Saints have played thus far. And then for the Patriots' remaining schedule, I think they're going to be 13 and 3. They're going to finish the season with more wins. 13 and 3, I, I predict the Patriots will be 13 and 3. They got an easy schedule down the road. I do believe they're going to beat the Dolphins next week, which we'll talk about next week because. I don't want to. I don't want to see Tom Brady use his record in Miami as an excuse. I just want to see the Patriots go into Miami, no matter what the weather is. They're going to come in there motivated to win. Yeah, definitely, and certainly you have to hope the Patriots can win the final three division games, and then you have the Vikings this week and the Steelers in a few weeks. I think the Patriots will go into Heinz Field and beat the Steelers just because they've been doing it for a while now, and I think that trend will continue and. I would say the Vikings would give them a fight, and I think the Vikings will give them a fight. But just from what we've seen from Minnesota, they're not coming into this game maybe 10-2 and two like a lot of teams, a lot of people around the league expected them to. They're coming in at like 5-4-1s or 6-5-1s. So they're not that team that everyone expected. Still a very good team, still a playoff caliber team, but a team that I think the Patriots will be able to exploit this week. I think so, but like I talked about, when we talk about the Miami game, I'll, I'll actually have to talk about that game with you next week, but I'll also talk to uh, some of our other members, Taylor and Anthony, about the game as well to get their perspectives. So, But I'll also get your perspective too as well. So I'll record everybody individually next week. So we'll talk about the Dolphins next week. But I also think, I also think the Dolphins are not going to be a playoff team, but I'll also get into more of that when I talk to you about it next week and when I talk to uh, Taylor and Anthony when I set a date with them. Absolutely. That sounds good. But I also think um, heading into Sunday's game, I think the Patriots defense is going to get on Kirk Cousins real hard. I think um, I think the Patriots will end, end up winning that game. But I think what I want to see what I want to see more improvement of is the Patriots first quarter performance and third quarter performance. They have yeah. not been good at that this year. Definitely. You heard the CBS broadcast crew talking about their first and third quarter struggles this season. I think Dan Fouts was saying something negative about us, and I kind of didn't like what he said. Yeah, absolutely. He was definitely mentioning that the Patriots' struggles to begin the game and to begin the second half. So it would certainly be nice to not see this team come out sluggish, maybe try to break out a few big plays, because it does seem like they're going three and out a little bit more this year than they have in previous years, especially to begin games. I, I want to. I just want to see them not go three and out more. I want to see less three and outs and get and get a good start offensively. Yeah, and, and especially on on the flip side, not giving up third down and long conversions because you saw a guy like Josh McCown and the Jets do that to them quite a few times. So that has to have you concerned for when you play a team like Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, that those guys are a step up from what you faced this past week and you struggled to contain the Jets on third down. Oh, I, 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 I could see that. I saw that from last week. I'm not, I was like, why would you let a 38-year-old quarterback get, gain those yards? You're supposed to get them. I mean, those, the Patriots' defensive line is still kind of weak. I mean, they got to be better than that. Yes, absolutely. And that's been a one, one big storyline pretty much all season. Third down in both respects. The Patriots trying to stay on the field on their own third downs and trying to take the other team off the field on – 
on defense, and it just hasn't really worked out for them so much this year. Uh, I mean, a big thing, too, is the penalties. They took a, a lot, a, a season high against the Jets and a season high in yardage. So hopefully keep those down because you're going to be playing a team in Minnesota where the margin for error is much smaller than it yeah, was against the Jets. Speaking of penalties, the crew that was saw Sean Hockley's crew, the son of Ed Hockley, they, had, they called a lot of penalties on the Patriots, and most of them were very bad calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Certainly some of it you can chalk up to that and other ones too, just to a little bit of a lack of discipline, which is something you don't necessarily see from a Patriots team, which makes you confident that it won't happen two weeks in a row, but it could be slightly concerning. um, I saw what was a clear holding. It was Trent Brown that was clear holding. And I said to myself, God, can you just bench him? He's just not, he just doesn't know how to block. No, no. And as we mentioned all season, he has the physical skills, but he's just got to, play the game the right way, not hold people, not jump off sides. And I don't know, it can be frustrating. He's done a good job when he hasn't taken penalties of protecting Brady's blind side, but he, he has taken some bad penalties. He has. I mean, I was like last, last Sunday, I was like, again with Trent Brown holding, dude, calm down. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Or I was like, can you just sit him down for one play? Put an Adrian Waddle in left tackle for a change. Yeah, and I, I think you would have seen a much shorter leash on him if um, if Isaiah Wynn was healthy. Yeah, I think Adrian Waddle's done a good job in taking advantage. But like I said, he should start over Marcus Cannon. Like, if you play Madden, I have Adrian Waddle starting over Marcus Cannon at right tackle. Mm-hmm. No, totally. I think it's, it's certainly something that that can be said I feel like this offensive line has done a a little bit better of a job than expected um thus far this season as far as protecting Tom Brady and obviously Tom Brady not taking sacks some of that because he's a smart quarterback he knows when to get rid of the ball and and not take those hits but the offensive line hasn't done too bad of a job overall you just like to see them cut down on the penalties yeah I would agree with that I mean David Andrews had a penalty last Sunday, last Sunday that I thought that should have not been called on him. I think that was a bad holding call. I think Joe Tooney got a bad holding call as well by the, by the crew that I saw. There were just so many bad calls that I did not like last Sunday because I didn't think that crew, Sean Hockley's crew did a, did a great job. No, definitely. There were definitely some, uh, some questionable ones that could have gone either way. I also think if you want to, if you predict who would be the referee of Super Bowl Fifty Three, do you pick Walt Coleman or you pick Craig Grolstad, who the referee is for our game on Sunday? I don't know. Would do they already have that announcer? Do they decide in, like once the playoffs start? When the Super Bowl starts, I'm kind of wanting to know who do you think should be the Super Bowl Fifty Three official? Do you think it should be Walt Coleman because he's over, he's long overdue to be a be yeah. an official for the Super Bowl? Yeah, no, I'd probably give it to Walt Coleman. Walt Coleman, I respect, but I want to see Walt Coleman. He hasn't done a Patriots game this year. I kind of want to see Walt Coleman do a Patriots game. Yeah, He's like no, one totally. of my favorite refs in the NFL. Totally, and it, it's kind of it, not sad, but that you have to talk about this. You have to talk about in the NBA, too, that it like matters who, who the ref and the officials are because I feel like they're just supposed to be a neutral arbiter, but you get these referees with tendencies to call more penalties or less penalties or 
something like that. So it makes you actually have to look at who the referee is for the game. And I guess in hindsight, it's kind of sad that you have to do that, but certainly you'd love to see Coleman get a, a shot in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think he's. this is his year to get the Super Bowl official because although he, he had some history, some of the tough rule, he hasn't done any Raiders game ever since that infamous night. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That was a, that was a big night for all the referees out there. Yeah, but, but I think Walt – I kind of want to see Walt Coleman officiate a Raiders game for the first time since that that uh, tough rule thing. Because now John Gruden, the head coach of the Raiders, I kind of want to see Walt, the NFL assign Walt Coleman to a Raiders game again. Yeah, definitely. If John Gruden ever gets them to the playoffs and they play the Patriots, they should assign him to that one. Yeah, I think – John Gruden would, get, would yell at Walt Coleman. I, I've always liked Walt Coleman. Walt Coleman is by far one of my favorite officials in football because he has a good voice. He gets loud and animated for a penalty. And uh, sometimes he makes bad calls, but Walt Coleman and Ed Hockley are by far my favorite referees, even though Ed Hockley is no longer an official in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, absolutely. But I also, the referee I don't like is... Walt Anderson, Pete Morelli, and Cleet Blakeman. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I'm not as well-versed in all the referee combos and everything, but uh, I just hope that however it shakes out, there aren't calls that go the wrong way that determine the game. It's kind of like, for example, it could be kind of like when Angel Hernandez had overturned calls and they were terrible calls in the playoffs of the Red Sox and Angel Hernandez is by far the worst umpire in baseball, and I say so. Yeah, now now that one I have down. I have experience with the MLB umpires. And also, I believe MLB and NBA, I have experience with the umpires and referees because I know when the Celtics were going to the postseason last year, you actually had to care about who the referee was for the game because there were certain referees in the Cleveland series who, even though the Celtics went, 55 and 20 last year, something to that effect, or 58 and 21, something like that. They still had a losing record when these refs called their games, and the team that was favored lost like every game that the refs did all season. So there's certainly some things that you have to look for when it comes to referees. I'm not as well versed in the NFL aspect of that, but certainly in other sports, like you said with Angel Hernandez, I, I got you on that one. Yeah, but I also there another referee I don't like in the NFL. I know we've had history with Tony Parenti. Tony Parenti's kind of okay, but he's not great. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. But Pete Morelli's awful. I mean, I can't stand the job he does when he does a Patriots game, and if his crew makes a bad call, I get so bad at his at him and his crew. I blame Pete Morelli all day. No, I mean it's frustrating whenever you have a bad call go against you if you're if it's not going the way your team wants, and especially. Once you get into the Super Bowl, once you get into these close games, maybe they don't matter in the end when you're playing the Jets and there's some bad calls. But when you get to a game where it's going to come right down to the wire, these little calls can turn into big ones. Like, yeah, like people on social media always put a referee's jersey with a Patriots logo on. And I'm like, why would that happen? Yeah, no, like I don't agree with that. I mean, I certainly, maybe it's just because I'm a Patriots fan, but I see plenty of times when the Patriots don't get calls. I know there are. Sometimes when Patriots, the Patriots get calls, maybe just because of the Patriots, but that's no different. Tom Brady getting a call because he's Tom Brady is no different than Aaron Rodgers getting a call because he's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, like the confusing calls in football are offensive and defensive holding and intentional grounding. 
Yeah, all those, and, and even roughing the passer nowadays. Yeah, the roughing the passer penalties. I mean, how I could how how I could tell last week on Dietrich Wise Jr.'s hit on Josh McCown, he was he was aiming towards the legs, and that was roughing the passer. Yeah, absolutely. That's a dangerous play right there. That's a for sure roughing the passer penalty. Yeah, no, and it it just it's just frustrating when it gets so subjective. Like you have the Clay Matthews one where he just breathed on the guy and got the penalty. And then in the in college, I know the rules are pretty much the same nowadays, but I was at BC's game against Clemson a few weeks ago, and one of Clemson's defensive linemen, Christian Wilkins, who's 345 pounds, throws Anthony Brown to the ground and puts all his weight on him when he throws him down, which is they clearly say you're not supposed to put all your weight on the guy, and that doesn't get called. Brown has to go to the hospital because he has internal injuries, and they just don't get a call there. So – it's more frustrating the inconsistency of it. What also surprised me about the 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 penalties that I heard last Sunday was Leonard Fournette fighting Shaq Lawson. I thought that was dirty. They should have not done that. Both players. I was glad that both players got disqualified, and I should. And I think Leonard Fournette didn't mean to do it on purpose. I think Shaq, it was Shaq Lawson that started it. Yeah, I mean Leonard Fournette definitely injected himself in, into the situation when he didn't have to. And you get the little bit of pushing and shoving, but taking your helmets off and throwing punches, and then whoever had the bright idea of sending them both down the tunnel at the same time, they knew that was going to backfire, and it did. So just a bad all-around look, and it, it hurt the Jaguars in, in a sense. They, they had just had a 30-yard completion, a nice toss by Blake Bortles to, I believe it was Moncrief, and then that stops the momentum pretty much there and things turn in the Bills' favor. Yeah, that's why I thought that was a bad ejection for Fournette, but I think who started it was Shaq Lawson. I think Shaq Lawson should be suspended. Yeah, and Leonard Fournette did get his suspension today. I don't know if they ruled anything on Lawson. He's, Leonard Fournette's appealing. I wonder if Shaq... I think Shaq Lawson shouldn't appeal that suspension. He should, he should just serve it. Because that... What he did was wrong. No, absolutely. And I, I think him and Leonard Fournette both. I think they both deserve to be suspended. Well, both of them do, but I think Fournette's going to appeal it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he'll get off on it because he he was clearly throwing punches at people. It was kind of like last year when the Patriots played the Bills and Rob Gronkowski put his body on Tre'Davious White. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. You don't believe me, but I thought that was not that was not good. No, it's certainly uncalled for and. These guys, I know you get tangled up in the heat of the moment, but the inability to control the situation, just let that linger for so long, even all the way down the tunnel, it's just a, just a bad look all around. I believe it is. But to wrap this up, what do you look for for the Patriots against the Vikings? Um, I know you talked about it a little bit earlier, but the big thing for me is going to be the play of Kirk Cousins. He balled out on Sunday Night Football this past week, outdueled Aaron Rodgers. He has the weapons around him. Finally, a healthy Dalvin Cook. Adam Thielen, who's been by far the best receiver in the NFL this season. And Stephon Diggs, who's not a bad counterpart to Thielen. So Cousins, as long as he can hit these guys and play his game, I think Minnesota may not have a problem scoring. I think it could be another high-scoring game. Not as high-scoring as some games in the past, but I would say around... 30 to 24, the Patriots are able to win just because even though I project Kirk Cousins to have a good game, I think the Patriots can force him to make mistakes and they can exploit this Minnesota defense in a way 
that if you'd asked me in August, I wouldn't have thought would have been possible. For me, I think it's just getting off to a good start. Get it, starting off well in the first quarter. In the third quarter, they just got to figure out how to find a way to put insurance points. That's, that's the big thing for me is this Sunday. Yeah, no, I agree. If you start out fast and just don't look back. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Okay, sounds good.